You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. We all know that when overused, alcohol can lead to a number of serious medical problems. However, can alcohol in moderation actually be good for us? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, your host. And with me today is Dr. Curtis Ellison, Professor of Medicine and Public Health at the Boston University School of Medicine in Boston. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Ellison. Thank you. As we think about alcohol, we know that if we overdo it, it can impact our health very negatively. Where do we make that distinction? When are we having too much? My flip answer is usually don't ask your doctor, ask your spouse when you're Uh having too much Uh because uh, people vary tremendously. But I think that what we now have learned over the last few decades is that when consumed regularly and moderately and uh, responsibly, uh, there are a number of health effects that are generally good from moderate drinking, particularly uh, with an aging population. I'm talking about, as we will discuss, cardiovascular disease, uh, heart disease, stroke, uh, and many other problems of aging, including dementia. Very interesting. And I was interested to see in your recent synopsis or article that the pattern of drinking is sometimes as important as the amount that you drink. Most of the uh, research has been done on number of drinks per week, which is a very, very poor index of how someone is drinking. People have finally gotten around and said, okay, let's say what's the amount per occasion or per day. But again, they're looking at the amount and not at the pattern. And the important findings over the last few years have shown very clearly that if uh, if you're drinking 14 drinks a week, that's fine if there's two a day. If that is uh, seven on Saturday and seven on Sunday or 14 on Saturday, uh, you have essentially no health benefits in many of the adverse social and physical uh, biological adverse consequences of drinking. Could that be uh, part of the reason for the so-called uh, French paradox? I think that you, you, you've you uh, uh, really got the answer there. I think that the, the French do drink more on average than we do, but the, the French do it every day. They have uh, generally, uh, the, traditionally, they have wine with their meals every day. And I think as we will discuss the mechanisms, uh, that seems to be a very good idea that you consider uh, regular daily even drinking as being the healthiest approach, uh, weekend binge drinking is the uh, opposite of that. Would you say that the benefits are such, and and we will get into some of the specifics, uh, are they such that we should be encouraging our abstaining patients to go ahead and start drinking? I think that that's a very difficult question to to give a general answer to, but I think that uh, a physician, uh, as, as you will learn as we discuss this, should discuss alcohol with every patient. Mm-hmm. For those that are drinking too much, then are drinking inappropriately, uh, you should give them good advice. If there are reasons that they should not be drinking, a former addict, uh, abuser of alcohol or other drugs against their religion uh, or ethics and so forth, then obviously you will think of other aspects of a healthy lifestyle to encourage them in. But for others, uh, they should at least have the facts. I think it would be unethical not to at least tell them about, if there are no contraindications, about the potential benefits on the diseases of aging from small amounts of alcohol on a regular basis. Are there special populations other than people who have had trouble with alcoholism that we should be uh, very careful not to recommend? There are a number of diseases that people say... uh, uh, well, first, every medication says don't take with alcohol, and there are a number of medical conditions that people have been very loath to recommend or encourage or uh, 
permit alcohol consumption by their patients. Uh, and I think liver disease is one that is obviously one thing that takes a lot of discussion to find out if the person should be encouraged to have any alcohol or not. Because we now know that there are a few people that are not complete alcoholics who do get liver disease related to alcohol, and if they get hep C or something and it gets damaged, the liver may be further damaged by even small amounts of alcohol. So I think there are a few conditions. There are some conditions of, of seizure disorders that cannot be controlled with any type of alcohol. But these are really rare. The usual patient who has coronary disease, who has atrial fibrillation, who is taking uh, warfarin, the data are very clear that those people actually do better hmm. uh, with a little bit of alcohol than if they're abstainers. The same for people with congestive heart failure. The people who obeyed their physicians uh, who said stop drinking uh, actually ended up having Did more re recurrent <laughs> events and dying sooner than those who continued to have small amounts of alcohol uh, uh, or moderate drinkers. Wouldn't be the first time in medicine that uh, <laughs> we doctors have done a little more harm than, uh, than good. I think of Asian populations uh, that may be very, very sensitive or have enzyme deficiencies as another population to perhaps be careful in. You know that the Japanese are some of the biggest drinkers and they have more problems with flushing from low <laughs> ADH. Uh, uh, the data are just beginning to be worked on that is in terms of the effects of the alcohol dehydrogenase and other genetic factors. But I think you have to realize that people vary tremendously in, in their ability to tolerate or to consume alcohol safely. You know, many little old ladies, I hate to be, uh, be I'm going to get, get in trouble, I'm sure, but many, <laughs> many uh, uh, small people uh, who are not uh, used to taking alcohol, you know, uh, a half a drink is uh, is too much. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. They're very sensitive, and uh, if they decide they're going to have any, if they're going to have a sip of sherry, it should be a sip or two, and not a whole glass, obviously. So people vary tremendously, depending on the genes, depending on the body size, the body fat, but particularly, and this applies to everybody, on the pattern of drinking. It's not uh, how much you drink, but how fast you drink and how often you drink. If you're going and standing at a bar and putting down several drinks in a short period of time, you know, the blood alcohol is going to shoot up. If you're doing that over a period of all day long, uh, um, you, you will not have many of the adverse effects. Well, that's uh, such an interesting point, I think, to emphasize that the not focusing just on the amount, but the pattern in, in terms of all of the, those respects that you mentioned uh, have to be taken into account when deciding whether consumption of alcohol it will be a positive or possibly a negative. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and I'm speaking with Dr. Curtis Allison, professor of medicine and public health at Boston University. We're discussing the potential beneficial effects of alcohol consumption. Dr. Ellison, if we focus now more specifically on cardiovascular disease, is there a good body of evidence that does support that it is helpful? I think if you're talking about coronary heart disease, that's the one condition of which there's really no debate. Uh, this began uh, uh, back in the 70s when Arthur Klatsky in California and Charlie Hinnikins at Harvard and a few other people, uh, including some people here at the Framingham Heart Study where I work, began to notice that among their moderate drinkers, they noticed uh, many fewer coronary events and cardiovascular mortality was much lower in the moderate drinkers. And as they've investigated this, it turns out that any type of alcohol uh, on a regular basis tends to decrease the risk of coronary heart disease, myocardial infarction in particular, sudden death, and uh, other cardiovascular diseases. There have been literally hundreds, hundreds, uh, maybe a thousand by now, uh, papers 
epidemiologic studies that have followed people who were light drinkers, heavy drinkers, non-drinkers, and the, the, the data are quite clear that if you have a person who's a moderate drinker, he or she will be less likely to develop coronary disease or die of a cardiovascular death. And I noticed that these uh, studies and papers have come from many countries around the world. It's not just something related to our Western society. It's interesting that some of the papers in the last couple of decades have come from China, where you know coronary disease has heretofore not been a, a tremendous problem, but they're seeing the exact same thing, that the non-drinkers that within the same provinces, say, or regions of, of China, where heart disease may be very low, but even if it's low, as it is in Japan, non-drinkers tend to have higher rates of, of uh, carnaries. And is there an emerging consensus in terms of both the amount and the pattern that is most beneficial? The amount is still difficult. I can tell you, based on epidemiologic data, how little you should drink, and that should be probably half a drink a day. Mm-hmm. How much you can tell uh, is very, very difficult. The guidelines from different countries uh, in the U.S., our official guidelines say that no more than two a day for a man, uh, one. I'm talking about typical drinks, and we should clarify mm-hmm. right away that by typical drinks, we're talking about uh, a 12-ounce bottle or can of beer or mm-hmm. uh, uh, about four to five ounces of a table wine or one shot of whiskey. Each of these has 12, 13, 14 uh, grams of alcohol. So we just say that's a typical drink, a beer, a gla- uh, you know, four to five-ounce glass of wine uh, or a shot of whiskey. The amounts that people recommend are considered moderate or considered safe very tremendously. In uh, England, for example, uh, they think that up to maybe three or even four drinks a day for a man is, is still considered moderate, whereas in the U.S. we say that it's no more than two for a man and one for a woman. Mm-hmm. We also say that uh, uh, subjects over the age of 65 should limit to one per day. But, I mean, these are political decisions. These are not scientific. They, they take the science into account, but they also have to look at the population and what are the goals of the recommendations. If you're making recommendations in, in Russia now, where there's a huge increase in deaths related to alcohol, you're going to be much stricter than you are in, say, in the U.S. or in Australia or in other countries where it's not quite as big a problem. So, so it's a complicated formula th- that they use, and people get come up with different answers. But I think that what is clear in every situation, every country, is that the frequency of drinking must be taken into account. The healthiest people drink every day. Hmm. Okay. And so the amount is still controversial. We know a minimum amount, but there are a lot of other things besides science that go into what is considered moderate in various countries. Absolutely. Uh, But the frequency, there seems to be more consensus to, to most days of the week, you should be having that moderate amount. You get little effect of having one drink per week or having seven drinks uh, on Saturday night, but one a day or most days of the week. Usually if you drink three, four, or five or more days per week, you begin to see the maximum beneficial effects uh, and, and the minimum uh, adverse effects. Again, getting back to the so-called French paradox, does there seem to be a benefit to a particular type of alcohol for ischemic heart disease? That's a very controversial topic because most of the studies from Europe show that people who regularly consume wine do better than those who regularly consume beer. Mm -hmm. There are not too many that regularly consume uh, whiskey. In the U.S., we find little differences between beer, wine, and spirits, partly because Americans uh, don't drink in a healthy manner. They don't have a little bit every day. Mm -hmm. They save it up when they go out for dinner on Saturday night. 
if you're consuming alcohol in that uh, way, you probably will not see big differences. I think the pattern is much more important. If you sit down and have a drink or half a drink with your dinner every evening, probably you're going to get most of the benefit. You're going to get 70, 80% of the total benefit uh, if it's beer, wine, or spirits. A drink with food, uh, you know, uh, small amounts, you're probably going to get the benefits. Mm-hmm. If that happens to be red wine, you probably get a few additional benefits because particularly in animal studies, uh, if you give an animal a red wine or even the polyphenols from red wine, you get, you get additional benefits uh, than if you give them uh, whiskey or, or ethanol itself. Well, I want to thank Dr. Curtis Ellison, Professor of Medicine and Public Health at the Boston University School of Medicine. Uh, He's been our guest as we've been discussing some of the possible beneficial health effects of moderate alcohol consumption. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.